0: All right, how's everybody doing this evening? Good. Good All right. If you like where you're at, you can stay there. If uh now that there are a lot of open seats, if you want to move somewhere you'd like better, you're welcome to do that. There should be enough probably for every every adult in here to have a have a sheet, even husbands and wives and I'll apologize for anybody that I didn't get a hold of yesterday and you're hearing about a whole bunch of chicken livers that I got. <laughs> um, sometimes other chicken products, I get a very last minute notice that there's an overstock at a food pantry sometimes. And uh I'm usually having to drive there. And wait till I stop somewhere and start texting folks. It's kind of that kind of deal. They, they give you so much time to get there and uh, they're trying to unload a lot. Sometimes we've had 1,800 pounds of chicken to, that they've given us to unload. And so uh, I try to do better about that. If you are, um, you know, you never know what we're going to get. It might be chicken leg cores, it might be uh, whole chickens. But if that's something that interests you, you just need to make sure that I have your current number programmed in my phone. And I'm a little slow about it if you've uh, at one time filled out a visitor's card. <laughs> just make sure I have your current number, and uh, I'll put some kind of notation in there to try to remember that you you want to be called when that happens. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit under the weather tonight, which others gave me a hard time saying I would be because I was out in the cold from about 6 to about 10.30 last night getting rid of chicken livers, and it was uh, it was cold out there. So I apologize if I get a little bit stuffy here. All right. Well, we have been in a series about angels, something that doesn't get often talked about a lot. So I wanted to start, you know, if you weren't here last week, I challenge you to listen to the message last week online uh, so you can catch up. But it was very much an intro in our our, uh, series, but there were the first five uh, descriptors of angels that we went through, and I'm going to recap that for you tonight. We'll have enough time to do that. Let me just ask, um, somebody want to be bold, is there there something you wondered about angels I'm not telling you I'm giving you an answer right now, because it may either come in the series, or if I don't know, if it's not in the series, I may have to get back to you. But just, is there something you just always wonder about angels? You don't know, and you feel, you feel brave enough. You're gonna. Yeah, so what, What? yeah, what kind of, uh, so basically, you know, what? apparently they're allowed to make a decision whether to follow God or not because Satan would not have, um, would not have been. Yes. Well, I don't think the Bible tells us that they have free will. All we have is an indicator is about the choices they made. Obviously, I had a choice to follow God or not because uh, Satan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you have a question? No, no. Okay. <laughs> um so uh, you know that that uh, we will answer some things that are probably related to that but uh any others just something you have wondered this isn't so much a question and answer as just you know a question you have that we'll maybe hit. I'm also to say, um, person, person, their eyes just, just like of their wings how they have that So cu- curiosity about appearance eyes, and yeah. yeah can Maybe they wouldn't want us see, to have seen what we saw. Can't unsee that. <laughs> Actually, with all the eyes they have, they're the ones that couldn't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, right. Okay. Okay. You guys have questions? Yeah. why they turn to the dark side? Yeah. Well, we're going to get into that in the series, too. So, yes. yes. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to answer some of the questions. Um, anybody else have one? Ranson. Restrictions or laws for angels? Restrictions or laws for angels? can and can't do's okay all right well we're going to get into all these this is uh this is um i handed out this paper here and this is um a little bit um of a recap at the first five for you uh there that we we answered last time that the word angel literally means messenger angels are created spirit uh spirit beings and so i'll get into that as we um but tonight's message so the series is. Uh, about angels and our sermon tonight angels among us angels among us so last time uh, we went over some of this let me uh, go ahead and point you to hebrews chapter 12 for starters this is an interesting verse as it applies to angels and fits with our message and especially with it being pretty warm in here i gotta keep it interesting so that nobody nods off right i was saying i was sad i had my uh only our only recliner for sale. I've had it for a long time. My dad gave it to me and literally 15 minutes before church the guy finally showed up and took my recliner. So last night it was here at the church because he was going to meet here and I came back after being in the cold, got the fire going. I went and I got me something to drink. I turned around. I'm just walking kind of halfway sleepy. And I looked at, well, first I got, I got to tell you, last night after I go home, I'm wanting to get cold. Well, our power had been out. Our power went out and Jen got stuck. with The ladies meeting she was running late because she couldn't get the garage door open. She told some of you ladies. So I'm on the phone trying to tell her how to pull the emergency release and get the door up. We got back. The garage door didn't function right. So we couldn't get cars in the garage. We couldn't get. So we spent about an hour and a half after I got home until like 11 o'clock at night. So um, I was trying to about midnight finally wind down after being cold and being out there after being in the cold here. And turn around. There's my chair's gone. I'm like, oh, it's at the church. And then tonight I had a few little tears, had a had a memorial service for it as it went out the door but so I'm going to be shopping for another recliner well, we look at this hebrews twelve twenty two chapter twelve verse twenty two this is one of the one of the two hundred and fifty references to angels in the bible uh, hebrews twelve twenty two in the English standard version reads But you have come to mount Zion okay so now that's that's heaven we're referring to heaven here and to the city of the living God again talking about heaven the heavenly Jerusalem guess where that is yes you're right heaven and to innumerable angels in festal gathering innumerable now I may have limits on how high I count the boys when they got to the age where they're learning numbers and they found out you could just keep going and going and going and uh, you know I've make up numbers I'd say quadruple million or whatever and they would take that as a real number but we, you know, I'm limited in my numbers. However, mankind has learned to count pretty high. In fact, in the last decade, I have heard that they found some prime number, new prime number that they had had to, had to work on for two and a half years to find it. Um, It sounds like somebody has a little too much time on their hands if they take two and a half years of their life to basically figure out some new prime number. Um, So to take, Two and a half years to figure that out. Well, maybe a little excess, uh, a little excess. But this text is speaking of an innumerable amount, and I can't, imfath- I can't fathom innumerable. You know, NASA. I'm assuming some of the smartest people in the world work for NASA. I would think that if anybody could count to the end of numbers, uh, whatever the limit is, that a uh, uh, rocket scientist would be able to. They use math and a lot of a lot of um, very complex math for that. But you know i'm looking at this text and it's talking about an imaginable number of angels that means in our human mind if we could see the massive crowd of angels that our impression would be innumerable i'm sure god knows exactly how many there are but for us in our understanding innumerable kind of switch gears a little bit you know i've been doing jail ministry for a long time some of you may have wondered why you don't see little check check check-ins i always had fun checking in on Facebook at the jail people always say hey pastor you need us to bail you out and uh, but I'll be there to visit guys but you know I've noticed that since the it's been like three months since they've allowed us back in they had some remodeling and things to to do and it just kept going on and on so they recently told us we can go back but while I was pretty heavy into that you know it really changes your um, reference and what you think about your community and depending on who you spend a lot of time with you know I realized that for a long time there I just kind of since even though I have hope in the Father for me, you know, almost felt like a little bit of hopelessness for our county. You know, I go down Benton County, and it, it seems like everyone you talk to, there's this hopelessness there because they've been in and out of jail over and over again. About 90% of the time related to drugs or, or something to that effect, but just the, the lack of hope. You know it, I'm sure that could be said as a nation as well, that there's a sense of hopelessness in a large number of our population in the nation. But that's why so many will be accepting of the supernatural but unwilling to submit to God. I mentioned this last time. It is easier for people who aren't outright atheists or, uh, you know, don't believe in any afterlife, don't believe in anything supernatural. But there is a lot of people who don't believe in God but believe in the supernatural. And I believe a lot of that is from that hopelessness. They want something that is out of the realm of the natural, of what they see, because that's broken and failed. They want something that's, that's an untouchable by the natural. And so they want security, knowing there is something greater than themselves that is pure and powerful, but lack the desire to fully submit their desires, wants, needs, etc., to God. That's why so many people you talk to who will say, oh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian, you know, I went to church with Grandma a long time ago, and and so, you know, I believe in God. And they feel like that is okay. It's, it's the belief of, and even maybe go as far as belief in, but they lack the, the willpower to fully submit their wants, their desires, their needs, uh, the things they think they're going to give up, maybe the people they think they're going to have to get along with in the church, whatever it is, They lack that. But the supernatural is a much easier move for them. Because many times they open themselves up to the supernatural beings without a desire to submit to God. It opens them up to demon possession, which brings more hopelessness. I think we're seeing more and more uh, in the supernatural with uh, regard to demon possession uh, I'm not going to encourage you to, and tell you where you find these videos, but there's more and more accounts, and it's not people who are Christians posting out there, but of what I see as demon possession. And they may come out and call it that, but they're, they'll talk about people who are, you know, maybe turning zombie or whatever. So this big zombie apocalypse and all this focus on zombies is helping to soften the blow of when they see something that is demonic and they, they switch it to this fairy tale thing about zombies because it's become acceptable. The shows and everything. And that's how Satan works. He desensitizes us through entertainment. And that's why I'm going to take a little minute to be old school Pentecostal preacher, right? We're going to start talking about why you need to take the devil ears, the TV antennas, off your roof for a minute, okay? No, not really. But I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a few things. Some of you are going to shut me off on this. I don't know, maybe. Because you, you feel like I'm nitpicking, but I am telling you that there are strongholds we allow. We may not be demon-possessed. We may love God. We may feel his presence. But we allow things into our homes sometimes that we don't realize the o- door we're opening. In, in our children, that's something that will, will come to fruition years later. There are people who deal with suicidal children who never realize that it was the shows and the things they let them use as entertainment years before, but it sat there and it and they dwelled on it. Kids will dwell on things. So you let them see demonic stuff. You let them play in that world. Um, I'm going to hit on some things you're going to say that's your pet peeve. You let them want, uh, read the Harry Potter books. You let them think it's okay to, to fairy, have a fairy tale about wizards and witches and all those things. You, you think that's okay, but I'm telling you, it won't go unanswered in their life. Now, God may be gracious and you finally realize that that's not healthy and there's no lasting effects because of the grace of God, but many times that that is what the world is opening up your children and you're just hand-feeding it to them saying it's okay because it it's, it's doesn't seem to be hurting anybody else. Oh, that's harmless, Pastor CJ. It's, it's make-believe. Let me tell you something. When Dungeons and Dragons were a big thing back in the 80s, my dad had a demon-possessed boy brought to the church who that's the gateway that he got into it. And he had literally lost his mind and went to an institution. But it was that role-playing in those things in the demonic that opened up to it. And it was full-blown, say the name of Jesus and the foaming at the mouth and a different voice coming out, that whole thing. So you play around with those things and you begin to find out that that spiritual world that you've been going to church and saying, yes, I believe and I'm safe because I'm God's," and all that, you you have opened yourself up. So we're focused on angels, but we also have to look at the enemy in this too because people will open themselves up to angels, but many times they're opening themselves up to demons with the idea that they're they're glorifying angels but they get a skewed view of that that's why i mentioned google last time you google angels and you get all kinds of inappropriate type of things because because people see angels as some kind of well, xena princess warrior in a in a in a bad light you know i mean there's a lot of things that are connected to angels now that is not healthy so this is happening more and more in our time period in rapid succession because the stage is being set for the end times and the Antichrist will establish his power and influence on this, on, the, on this world on the platform of signs and wonders. How is he going to do that if everyone is keenly aware that, that what he's doing is connected to demonic activity or to Satan? Well, he's going to be able to do it in fool, in fact, to the scripture in the case there's going to be a lot who say, Lord, Lord, who God says, I never knew you. How does that happen? They've desensitized themselves to the workings of Satan to where it's easy just to usher it in and they don't recognize it. And probably someone will scoff at other Christians who have the discernment and will say, you need to stay clear of that. they say, oh, that's harmless. It's just like all the other stuff. You know, I walked out of um, Lord of the Rings the last one. I was encouraged. Everybody said, oh, it's got a Christian theme to it. It's got a Christian theme to it. You've got to understand, it's got a Christian message in there. It's, that's, the found, that's the grounding of it. I don't know if you remember that when that came out. So I think there's, what, three of them. And I went to the first two out of invites other people. And it was, I just had this little bit of stirring about it. I wasn't feeling real good about it. You know, the the images, the characters. And got into the last one, and I had to walk out because the Spirit of God inside me said, this is not holy. There is something very dangerous about the darkness and the things being projected out to people. You see, some people will be sitting here saying, really? I like that. Well, guess how we get okay with that? It's little steps by steps. It's fed to us until we are desensitized, and we think it's okay. And then we'll hand it right off to our children. Because we don't think it hurt us. Um, I know some of you here may take issue with Santa Claus, right? And I shared something. I reconnected with a friend of mine today from uh, the Water Tower Network when I went through that co-op of a cohort of uh, young pastors um, with Brian Jarrett, and uh, he had an interesting article, article about Saint Nick, the origins of the stories of Santa Claus. So Saint Nick, you know, a guy who who basically like our Rural Compassion Ministries. Uh, was a guy who was all about compassion ministry giving of gifts uh, to children to others in need because of his love for christ but you know i'm not so sure it's healthy for us to to really teach as fact to our kids that saint nicholas still lives in a supernatural way on this earth and he's shimmying down skinny chimneys getting all kinds of soot on him to bring you presents plastic stuff you know i don't know if that's really the way we should project it now um some will say, oh, it's harmless. I grew up that way. I did, too. I grew up going and playing Halloween, Halloween parties, dressing up. I grew up doing all this stuff. But, you know, as God's beginning to work my life, uh, I'm seeing the effects of a church who, for decades, has just turned their face and looked the other way as these things have crept into our churches, and then we wonder why the world is where it's at. And we know every renowned preacher out there is right now saying, it's the church's fault. Not to beat on us, but it's the church's fault that the world is where it is. Because God's words promise that if we humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, and pray for our nation, he'll heal heal our land. Why isn't he healing it? Because we're letting some of the tricks of Satan creep right into our culture in the church and put our stamp of approval on it. We got bigger fish to fry, Pastor CJ. We got guys going into women's bathrooms right now, and it's supposed to be okay. Yeah, that's how it got there. It was a slippery, uh, what's that song by Casting Crowns? It's a slow fade, right? It, that's how it happens it's not an overnight thing then all of a sudden wow one, all of a sudden one day the world became wicked and now we're here accepting where the girls and boys are supposed to share bathrooms that's there because we slowly let it happen through all our small decisions so let's let's move on from that it's setting the stage for the Antichrist. He's going to be setting his stage. His his campaign will be over signs and wonders. The only way for him to get an unsuspecting world, even a large amount of the churches and Christians, to to ignore the fact that he's the Antichrist and not see it and not have the discernment, is they're desensitized to it. So people will have to believe in the supernatural for that to happen. And since a lot of people don't believe in God but believe in the supernatural, and many of those don't believe in demons. And then there are masses now that want to believe in God but not the devil or want to believe in heaven but not a literal hell. There are evangelical churches who have made that move in the last few years. We no longer attest to, they'll say, we no longer attest to that there's a literal hell. That that is, that is, that is a, uh, a use of analogy of what it feels like to be separated from God when you don't have a relationship with Him. So with that happening we got many who want to believe in angels but not fallen angels because they want to cling to the positive and avoid the truth and the reality that this is a fallen evil uh, world controlled by Satan himself. There's uh, you know I don't talk a lot about other churches especially in the area I'm not going to mention a name but because it impacted me greatly because I ended up ministering to some of those from the fallout I, we had a church in our area that crumbled and fell because that doctrine of a no literal hell you know, that that we are Jesus, the second coming, not that there's Jesus coming again, but a church that was thriving and going crumbled because that's the way the leader led them. But behind the scenes, there's all kinds of immorality going on. They go hand in hand. When you have a false gospel, you have all kinds of evil in the background. And so that's how that will happen. there will be a desensitization because um, if something tickles our ears or sounds good, it's something new. We hadn't heard a church on that bandwagon, you know, we got a smorgasbord of churches here, so if anybody wants to do something everybody else isn't doing, that's where everybody will run to. And so when you are that, and I'm going to use some harsh words not to be mean to anybody, but when you're that wishy-washy where you just get pulled to and fro from every place because something else is going on here or this and, and it's exciting and it's new, but you don't really know anything about the ministry, you don't know anything about the lives of the people, you, you're throwing yourself into those places, that is what gets people susceptible the spiritual and that goes both ways that can be demonic activity and that can be uh the lord working but we often become too frivolous in our approach uh, of testing out the spirit's discernment and get ourselves mixed up with things that can um, be pretty dangerous uh, cults don't happen with only crazy people do you know that most testimonies that people find that came and that went, got involved with cults were very logical, normal people, but there's a process of brainwashing, they call it, that's desensitization. Convincing them through some scriptures in the Word, taking out of context, hating your mother or father, that, you know, hey, if they oppose what we believe, then you got to turn from them. Jesus wants you to not have anything to do with them. And so they use those things to separate, and that's why many of them will go off to their own compound, because it's all about control. And so you have to be very careful about what you're connecting with. And in the realm of angels, that is one of the roles angels uh, have is to help us. The Holy Spirit guides us, but the angels help in uh, in protecting us uh, through those times. Um, There's four reasons why the world is enamored with angels. We covered this last time, but just a short review. Spirit of hopelessness. People are looking for answers and something to fill their empty spirits. Spirit of selfishness. Christians are called to be servants, but our society would rather be served than to serve. The, the, the fun about angels being our bodyguards, and that's how we see them, is because that means they're doing for us. We don't have any responsibility to them, which we really don't. We don't pray to angels. We don't um, bow down to the angels. You know, they are God's servants, but they serve us. But that's why it's so easy to accept angels and not God. Some Christians will say, how can they accept angels when it's from the Bible not God, because it's self-serving. Okay, um, so that also ties in the spirit of selfishness, um, spirit of the new age, our society is being conditioned. We covered that. with talking about the Antichrist. Spirit of curiosity, it's a simple thing that with attached to a sinful nature, curiosity is not necessarily bad, but sin uh, intensifies curiosity in the wrong way. That's why um, Adam and Eve, when they ate of a tree, what was the tree that they ate from? Knowledge of what? Good and evil. What was God's goal? To keep them, right, but it wasn't just not eating the fruit. What was the fruit going to do for them? What did Satan tell them? Oh, They would, what? What did Satan tell them? Make them like God, and they would know, they would know the things God knows. Was Satan lying? No. Satan wasn't lying. Satan was telling them a truth and omitting the rest of it. Which we all know, it's basically a lie. But he was telling them the truth is, when they ate the fruit, they would have knowledge that God has. When he said, you won't surely die, was he lying or telling the truth? Half truth. Right. Because God, what what Satan was trying to say is, you won't surely die, alluding to a physical, natural, right then death. But what was really attached to it was a spiritual death, which is worse. Because it's an eternal death. So, you see, <coughs> these are the, the tricks of the enemy, but um, it's, it all comes down to uh, the, the issue of spiritual curiosity, curiosity about the unknown. So, the questions a lot of people have about angels, some of you brought up some of these. What are angels? What do angels look like? Are they female? Do we have guardian angels? How many angels are there? What is an archangel? Is it possible to see an angel? Do I pray to angels? What about demons? Are they real? How are they different from angels? And then the questions we answered um, last week, we answered last week was, will I someday be an angel? Or do our relatives who pass on here believers, do they become angels? And we answer that saying no. That that we as a soul that can be redeemed will never be an angel. We would actually be giving something up to become an angel that we don't want to give up. There's a different relationship between us and God and the angels. So, um, as believers, we have good reason to learn more on the subject of angels, not for the sensational, though it is. It is fun to talk about angels, at least I think so. How about you? I mean, it's fun to really think about angels. It's something that we know from Scripture. We can read about Jesus, and it seems like it becomes clear as a bell who Jesus was and, and uh his, his teachings, you know, uh, are so true to our lives, and impact us. But then the angels, it just seems like a whole different realm. And it's not, we don't get into this because it grabs a lot of people's attention, although it does. But here's why we need to study about angels. Because there is an unseen world war going on all around us, and we're in the middle of it. Satan is waging war against God for that initial letdown. Now, he did it himself, but he is mad at God, and he despises the relationship that we have with God. We are an object of God's affection, and it makes Satan angry. And he is warring to crush us, to crush God's heart, because he is still bitter and angry. Pride and jealousy drives him to war against God and us. So angels, I said, are mentioned over 250 times in Scripture, and And uh, we recapped last week that uh, the word angel literally means messenger. Um, Angels are created spirit beings. So they they had a beginning, whereas God did not have a beginning. But we don't have any indication they'll ever end. Whereas we know from Scripture that we never end. Sinner and Christian alike never die. Well, let me clarify. When we actually breathe the last breath here, we wake up into eternity. The difference is the believer has an eternal life of fellowship with God and celebration and peace. And all God's love without the effects of sin for the first time for us. Whereas the sinner goes through an eternal death, eternal torment it never ends. There are some who mistakenly think, you know, if I die and go to hell, it's okay. I'll be killed right when they get thrown into the lake of fire, and that's done. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. It's actually an eternal death. It's never-ending as well. So humans are, are like angels in the fact that we had a beginning. We were created by God. We have a beginning. Um, but for us, we know for, for a fact there's no end. For us, we don't know from Scripture with angels that they don't have an end. We don't know whether they'll always be. Uh, So angels are not eternal beings, um, in fact, in the essence that they uh, were always there even when God started, which God has no beginning. So angels are, number four, angels are not glorified human beings. God doesn't need us to be angels in the choir. Uh, Number five, angels are invisible spirit beings. Um, And then we begin this week with number six, angels are innumerable in number. Revelation 5:11 says then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands Now I'm no numerologist I'm no professional when it comes to numbers but when researching this this equals hundreds possibly hundreds of millions plus hundreds of millions Luke 2.13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and then it goes on, but this was one angel sent to deliver the message, right? And we know in this time of Christmas, the angel sent to deliver the message of Christ coming as a babe, the Messiah. So it was just one necessary angel to deliver the message. But then there was a multitude uh, joining to praise God and be there for the big announcement. It's like a baby being born. For us, it's a big announcement, right? You want to get everybody on speakerphone. We had so much fun when we found out we are having twins and nobody knew it yet. We called and said, well, guess, is it a boy or a girl? And, you know, my parents were like, it's a girl. No, a boy. We're like, no. Like, well, you're not having a puppy. What are you having? I said, two boys. You know, that was a big, exciting announcement. But, but that's the same thing. But can you imagine if you had a chance to go back and be on that hillside for that announcement and to hear that heavenly host and i've had the opportunity to be at some big concerts exciting worship concerts Uh, i've been in a stadium sometimes that can seat thousands and to hear the voices vibrating the stadium praising god i can't imagine that what it would be like to hear the angels singing praises to god in unison it's an awe-inspiring experience in the natural to hear that many voices singing in the natural. Can you imagine the heavenly voices of the angels? So how many of you were raised in a church where you were expected to be quiet and worship during the preaching and the preaching of the word? No raising hands, right? And you don't have to raise your hand if that was you, but, but how many were, just, were you raised in a place where you didn't say amen when the preacher was preaching? You, know, you, didn't, you didn't raise your hands. You didn't sing, say hallelujah real loud during the worship. You didn't uh, say things out loud. You see, we are uh, fortunate in our body that we have the freedom to do as angels do. When there's something exciting about God, they they cry out in a unifying voice. Another reference, Matthew 26, verses 52 and 53, says, Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. What's the setting here? What's the setting for that passage? Yeah, Peter's bad shot, right? Peter's bad aim. Peter's obviously not the swordsman of the group, right? Cuz you know he was not aim for the ear, right? We all do y'all know that? I mean, I I it's not in scripture, but I'm just telling you as a man who has protected the man of God before, who who feels that I will take a bullet for you, I will I will cut you, you try to hurt my pastor, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you uh, okay, you know, you get, you kind of make it holy, all the violent things you'll do if somebody tries to hurt your pastor when you're on the security team or you're whatever, you know, when Jen and I met, we we're at a church like, that time it's 13,000 people, and I was one of the youngest guys in better shape than some of the other guys on security, and they put me tailing the pastor, which he ran marathons, I think, at the time, he's thin, Melody knows, James River, and, and I couldn't hardly keep up with that man on campus, you know, but do you know that feeling, like, I will not you, you try to touch him? And so, you know, Peter is obviously, I think he's going for the neck. I think Peter's trying to take the head off. I think he's just a very bad aim. Now, does it really matter, and do I have any scriptural basis? No. I just know what it's like to be that guy, protecting the guy you love, right? So, um, anyway, but we know that the reference to Tom Howe is the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion, when they're supposed to be praying, and Jesus is trying to get them to pray, and then Judas comes with the Roman soldiers to seize him, right? So um, it goes on uh, in verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will not at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? 12 legions of angels. Now he's he's referring to this in the Roman measurement system. See, a legion could be up to 6,000 people, which would be 72,000 angels coming to the rescue. And just for this one event. So he's saying, do you not think I can't appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions? So 12 times uh, 72,000, or well, I'm sorry, he told 72,000 angels. Peter's probably thinking, wow, okay. Well, I was just trying to help, you know. <laughs> now, what would be our response to that, to, n- to number six, that, that's innumerable angels? What should be our response? I think our response should be, thank God we're on the winning side, right? Because one-third of the angels, it says in the word, one-third of the angels of heaven rebelled, so 33%, rebelled and fell to earth as demons. And so we should praise God that two-thirds didn't. Because it's a lot of angels, right? Innumerable. And if one-third fell, think about it. There's a demon probably for every Man, woman, child that's ever been born. Angels possess great knowledge and wisdom. That's number seven. Number seven, so number six, number six was angels are innumerable in number on your sheets there, if you're wanting to fill that in, are innumerable in number. And number seven, angels possess great knowledge and wisdom. Second Samuel fourteen twenty says, "In order to change the course of things, your servant Joab did." But in, oh, in order to change the course of things, your servant Joab did this. But my Lord has wisdom like the wisdom of angels, of God, to know all things that are on earth. But my Lord has wisdom like the wisdom of the angel of God, who, uh, to know all things, are on earth. So the Bible teaches angels have wisdom, and yet these wise creatures don't have the knowledge of salvation. So they are wise, but they are not all-knowing like God. They are wise, but we know some things angels can't know, like what it feels like to be redeemed, what it feels like to go to that altar and to have the weight of sin bearing down on you and to have God in his grace who paid the ultimate price, to have that supernatural transfer of our debt of sin on to the blood of Christ to be washed white as snow. They don't understand that feeling. They, they can't feel that like we do. Do you understand? So angels, they're they actually envious. From when I get to Scripture, they're kind of envious. They're curious. It's not so much a bad envy. It's like they really want to know, what is it like to have God love you like that? What is it like to have that? You know, to have him redeem you now some of those i don't know if he created them all at once or if they're created in succession or whatever but think about the ones that were there when the third of the angels fell became demons there was no redemption for them there is no redemption at all they fell and then the record of god's word it was done but man keeps messing up man keeps messing it up i mean they let sin into the world and then Messed up that relationship, and every time God tries to redeem us, you know, Noah and the ark, and then it starts over and mess it up again. But yet God keeps pursuing and offering redemption. Can you imagine what the angels must feel about that? You know, Ken mentioned, you know, their decision-making and, and how they can fall, you know, you get free will and all that, but but yet they can't be redeemed. So, so there's a difference, and there's a curiosity there that they have for us. But angels, number seven, possess great knowledge and wisdom. Um... Later on our series, we'll learn that angels actually attend church. Uh, they come to learn something. That doesn't make me nervous at all. No, no pressure. That angels might come in and sit down and, and critique my message. Not at all. Um, no, I'm kidding. Actually, if in uh, that realization makes me very nervous. I mean, I don't want to disappoint y'all, but if I think about angels being here now, I'm that's like a Bible college professor only worse coming in and sitting down. But there are things they want to take in because they can't personally experience it like salvation here here's an indication of that you're like where do you get that pastor cj well first peter 1 12 listen to this it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look it means through the gospel and us preaching the gospel and the salvation message and, and this being delivered to us and a, this whole fight against sin and everything, they, they want to look into it. It's, it's talking about a curiosity of angels. It says in that last part, things into which the angels long to look. So imagine that. Of all the things they've seen and they know in heaven, to imagine seeing the very beginning of this whole story of man them to be able to be witnesses to all of this happening and yet in our feeble lives that we live that we think is just mundane and does God really see me and all this going on and we go to work and we come back and we're like oh ah, I'm so tired I need to go to church but I just oh this or that all right I just I, I know I'm supposed to get together with people from the church, but man, I just, I don't have time for myself, and all these things, and we don't realize the spiritual realm, and all these things that we have guilt, and all the stuff laid on us for the things we don't do, and all. they are so curious about your life, because God loves you in such a immense way, and they see that, and they witness that, and they see what he's doing behind the scenes to try to reach you, and so they are enamored by that, so fascinating, wish we could understand what that is for God to pursue you, even when you've messed up, I'm sure when Satan fell and this whole thing about man just eats him up and the demons, they remember what it was like to be in heaven. That's part of their, their anger and their evil is because it's, it's just like, let me give you a really poor analogy. You win the lottery, right? 300, not that we should be playing the lottery. Listen to me. I know Dave and his other brother Dave go and spend all their money on lottery. No, don't, don't, don't think I'm promoting lottery. But you win three hundred million dollars, right? You take the one-time payout, forty percent taxes. You're still sitting on millions, and you plan all out. You're gonna go buy yourself an island and live in paradise, and you are just gonna live the rest of your life, just everything brought to you, s- service on that. You get your island, you get all set up there. You have about. Two months of just bliss, and this is awesome, this is great. And all of a sudden the phone call comes. We made a horrible mistake. We made a terrible mistake. You actually didn't win. You actually, actually, we we think you might have cheated, and we're taking all the money back, and you're gonna owe for what you spent. The crushing anger, this is mine. You can't take it from me. No way, I'm not giving up. Now I've tasted, it. there's no way. You see, in that bad analogy, but think about that can't even compare to Satan tasting to be one of God's favorite angels, right? Most beautiful, anyway. The most beautiful angels, most, one of the most talented, a leader. To have taste of what it is to be in that eternal communion, that perfection of heaven, to, to be, be created by God of the universe that's never had a beginning, will never have an end, and then for, in his own decision. But just like Christians, or just like people who, fail God here how many of them say God failed them they can't see that they made the choice and separated themselves I don't think Satan thinks that he messed up still yet I think he's lying to himself like he lies to us I think that's his problem he's an eternal lie because he believes that he is being treated unfairly and he's going to get back at God That's where the revenge comes from that's where the, uh, the hatred for us because God is willing to redeem us, no matter how bad we are, and sent his only son to shed his, his blood and his body to experience that horrible torture and death, but he won't do it for Satan. There is much they are looking into. I love the last part of that scripture. Things in which they long to look into. The angels are very curious about you. The angels are among us. Angels can praise God for many things. They can sing glory to God in the highest, but when you think about it, they can't sing the song, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There are songs you can sing, and you can sing them to God because they are true for you. There are certain songs they cannot sing. We can sing glory to God in the highest with them, but they cannot sing the same songs that we sing when it comes to redemption. So they have wisdom, but there are things they can't understand about us like salvation. Number eight on your sheet. Number eight is angels have great strength and power. Angels have great strength and power. Psalms 103 20 says, bless the Lord. O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. You mighty ones. God, the most powerful of uh, beyond anything we know but he's made the angels to be more powerful what is it comparing to you mighty ones who is the comparison to if you're going to be called mighty you have to have someone substandard to you if everyone in the world had the same amount of might we wouldn't have a definition for mighty so who are they compared to the demons See, so we understand that god has created them that that when they fall they're already lesser in power than the other angels 2 Peter 2.11, whereas angels, though greater, in might. Again, a comparison to the evil spirits. And then we come to a longer passage uh, in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 19. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 14 through 35, it's, it's a longer passage, so I want to kind of set the stage and, and uh, set this up for you. And I love, me and my kids love the name of this person. I don't know if you heard rib. I love ribs. <laughs> And I love snacks. So snacherib sounds like a good combination for a name. Snackerib, I don't know if that's how it's really supposed to be pronounced, but all my life we pronounced him Snacherib. So he's harassing the house of Judah. The house of Judah is the good guys. They're the ones with the white hats, okay? Snacherib has a black hat. Okay? So he sends them a harassing letter of intimidation, a, a threatening letter to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah does as we should do when a, in a threatening situation. He takes it to the Lord in prayer. So in in reading this, and starting verse 14, it says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messenger and, and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, angels, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of earth. Have you made the heavens and earth? Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Snacherib, which he has sent to, uh, sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So this is talking about The destroying of idols that uh, the Assyrians, about these others, uh, the Assyrians had um, created and were worshiping idols, false gods. It goes on, therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. This is the kid saying, Dad, will you do something about the bully at school? He's coming to kick my tail at 3 o'clock. The bell's going to ring at 3, and he's going to be waiting outside. And first I know he's going to throw my books down, and then he's going to kick my tail. God, help me. You know, you know, Hezekiah is calling out to the Heavenly Father, open your eyes to this injustice, you know, open your ears, and see that he is threatening us, and help us. He's saying to God, show my enemies who is boss, because their idols are wood and stone and brass. And they're messing with you, God. They're writing checks their bodies can't answer, can't pay. So Isaiah prophesies over Sennacherib's fall. In verse 20, then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? And then maybe you have, I have not, to pray and hear the voice of God literally answer saying, I heard you, I'm answering. You know, we got this waiting process, just hoping to see it play out sometime in our lifetime when we pray for big things with God. But God's answering, verse 21, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you, she scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem, whom you have mocked and uh, and reveled. Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel, by your messengers you have mocked the Lord and have said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon. I felled its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses, and I entered its furthest lodging place, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters and dried up and And dried up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt, have you not heard that I have determined it long ago? I have planned from the days of old what I am now what I now bring to pass, that you should turn forfeited cities into heaps of ruins while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded. So it goes on and on. This is God literally saying, God answers his prayers and says. And he used the angel to do it. Um, I'm going to jump down. uh, Verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. This is the guy with the black hat. The bad guy. He shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there. Or come before it with a shield. Or cast up a siege mounted against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then, verse 35, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000. Bammo. God knows a guy. He knows a guy that knows a guy, right? He, he, he just knows, uh, yeah, I, that one right there. Of all the millions of angels, that one. 185,000 guys, you can handle it. Everybody else just keep eating. Right? So he sends them out, and, and that's how God answers prayers for his people when they walk in holiness, when they strive to honor God in everything they do, when they're not wishy-washy about their, their life with God, when they're not, they're not on the, the fence all the time about trusting in God, when they just go to the Heavenly Father and say, look, I'm getting beat down here, I'm getting ready to, God says, I got plenty of help, so just relax. Just chill out. I got this. So that's how God uses us as angels. Yes, bodyguards, but not just for our personal gain, to glorify him. So I don't know if, you know, I I see, I think uh, Frankie might have been feeling bad tonight, but sometimes we have Danny or Frankie who's been in the medical field, maybe somebody else. But it's interesting that what it says in there, that he makes them to be dead corpses, Right? If we'd read through the whole thing, uh, at the event, these were all dead bodies, dead corpses. Is there any other kind of corpse than dead? I'm not quite sure, you know, how the reference. But basically what I think is God's probably playing on words. They're saying they aren't just mostly dead. They're dead dead. Like I, I made them, I laid them to waste. It, it, I'm not so sure that sometimes we don't read the Bible wrong, but sometimes God's doing a little smack talking. Because we read it and like there's got to be some great holy thing and everything. But obviously God's just telling him, saying he's not going to step foot in the city. He's not going to shoot an arrow. It's like the big brother who gets all fired up. It's like the pastor security guy who's like somebody starts to get a little bit huffy at the pastor. And you're like, I will tear you limb from limb. And God gets riled up because his kid is getting picked on at school. Right? I think God's saying, I I kill them dead, dead. Because they were dead corpses. Right? So I don't know. You know, I'm not a great theologian when it comes to the Greek and Hebrew. Um, I can't find a whole lot that really uh, people have their take on it, but I'm not so sure uh, anything. I think sometimes there's a little bit of common sense. I think Bubba in Arkansas sometimes can read the Bible with a little more intelligence than some of the the scholars because uh, they read things from the eyes of God just loves me and he's a, a powerful God and he can do anything. And sometimes we start trying to pick apart the word of God so much that we lose ourselves in that. And we forget that God has feelings and emotions and he gets protective and he gets angry and God has a right-handed justice and if he's going to fight for his people, he's pro- he talks big about it. So we notice that one night, one angel took on 185,000 soldiers and defeated them. And again, if we think that's power, then think about the power that created one angel and the innumerable millions of the angels. That angel that killed 185,000, God made him. That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead and raised me from a dead spiritual life. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings and become like him in his death. For those of you that fear that we're going to be here all night because I'm, uh, you're seeing how many is on the sheet, don't worry, this last part goes fast. But in that scripture, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that may share his sufferings, become like him in his death. The Greek word there is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. So it's wrapped up in a small package in Luke 2, but but make no mistake how powerful our God is, like dynamite. He makes uh, addicts and drunks immediately sober at times, delivers people straight up from some of the hardest things to get over, and uh, he can do it every time. Uh, Number nine, angels never age. Mark sixteen four through 5, number 9, angels never age. And looking up, they saw that the stone that had been rolled back, it was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. They were alarmed. So angels tend to get attention when they show up. If you see an angel, from what I gather from Scripture, you're not going to be mistaken that you're seeing an angel. The young man is at least 4,000 years old. Existing at least before the creation of the earth. And they are supernatural and glorified beings, so they don't need Geritol or oil of old lady to look good. So they are never aging. Number 10, angels always appear in the masculine gender, such as Gabriel, Michael, etc. All references we have in scripture for angels are in the male. So um, I have the story I shared last time of our good friend Sharon, who is one of the most godly ladies ever. And she had an account where she believed she encountered an angel and she was female. Now, I don't know, but what we know from Scripture is they always appear as males. I can't can't refute whether she was with an angel or not because we don't know everything. But at least from Scripture, we know they always appear as a male. Um, We do know that demons sometimes will appear as a, a feminine figure with long flowing hair. There's references I don't have time to get into tonight but long flowing hair almost in a female type appearance. So if you wake up in the middle of the night and you see some glowing figure that you think is angel, long flowing hair behind it looks female, um, don't be so certain you're not you know, having a demon uh, trying to attack you, but I think God will put it in your spirit, whether it's angels or demons. So um, number 11, angels have great speed. Angels have great speed. Matthew 24:27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming Son of Man. The kind of equipment they have to get those cool pictures where they capture lightning, it's not just the equipment, it's a lot of time and waiting. Those guys that capture those, it's getting better and better with equipment, but used to they'd have to wait for, you know, all night and just snapping thousands of shots trying to catch that one where they caught lightning. That's how fast they are, according to Matthew 24, 27. Matthew 25:31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne at the final judgment. Luke 1:11, and there appeared to Him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Luke 2:13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and it goes on. So those are all uh, references. Some we covered before. Uh, about them appearing it's a a sudden the words used a sudden and using lightning as a reference and last one as we wrap up number 12 angels are joyful creatures so angel appears they're not going to be like yep god god sent me to talk to you i gotta they're showing up when we see them booming voice you know with an appearance that catches boom you know they're there they're fast and it is attention getting but they are a joyful creature. Also, number 12, Job 3:7 says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shout for joy. And in that reference, sons of God being referring to angels. Luke 15, 10, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I hope we're always joyful when someone comes to the Lord, but the angels rejoice. So um I don't know about its wonderful life and if there's really a bell that rings and they get their wings. I don't know about that. But we do know what the scripture tells us that when someone comes to know the Lord, the angels rejoice. I think we forget that sometimes. When we're in a church service and I tell everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes, and I give somebody an opportunity to accept the Lord, when there is a true repentant heart who accepts the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart, their name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, the angels literally rejoice. So I've told this before, but I don't really care so much for football and all that unless you go to the stadium. I like the atmosphere. And apparently when the Kansas City Chiefs play the Broncos, it's a huge deal. They're big rivals. And I was there, I don't know how many years ago. My brother-in-law got us tickets, and we were way up in the stands. But it was a record attendance. There was not any empty seats, if I understand right, in the stadium. Record attendance ever. And on that second level, when people started stomping, all the fans, waving the little Eeyore dolls on nooses, literally the lights in the stadium were flickering. I was worried it was going to cr- crush it. And when there would be a good play, people would literally, whoo, and you would feel the wind off of all the people standing up. You could feel a breeze that happened because all of a sudden there's this big rush of bodies and signs. And so if you can only imagine that when someone comes to the Lord it says the angels myriads and myriads of tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands an innumerable amount celebrate that's why as your shepherd in trying to train you up in the way you should go with the Lord that's why I make such a big deal and put such a guilt trip on you about being there for baptisms because what's a baptism a public confession of faith and scripture is always with all the believers there to witness is also for the church to commit to the discipleship of that person. But if we are all absent, it's no longer a public confession of faith. So what I want you to do in your spiritual growth is, is like, like the angels, that's where you can relate to them, is we should celebrate in that manner. If we celebrate over a sports game, we should not just kind of like, oh, that's great, someone accept the Lord. Our church got another mark on our belt. But literally be so excited that I cannot wait till they're baptized so I can make that public stand with them. So tonight we, we explored um, angels among us, talking about them interacting with man and, and some characteristics about them. And next week we'll get into a little more about angels. We have at least two more weeks of, of uh, information on angels. Again, I'll tell you, invite people who um, kind of lean towards the spiritual. If you see the guy out there in the Ghostbusters truck, invite him. You know. Folks like that who have this openness to the spiritual realm, they're in danger. If they've closed God out, but they're open to the spiritual realm, they are in danger. They're endangering in themselves and their families. We should look at it as a rescue mission, but bring your friends from work who are all into that stuff, but they just aren't in a right relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to go out tonight into our jobs tomorrow and through the week and to evangelize this community for your glory for the kingdom's sake that none perish but all have eternal life. Lord, we thank you for creating the angels, that, Lord, you have created uh, beings that will come to our aid, that you could send them out, Lord, and they crush our enemies, Lord, before us. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study about them in your word. And, Lord, we don't even know if tonight there aren't angels sitting here among us curious about our looking into them. And I thank you, Lord, that we know that you're all around us, you surround us that we're never alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all. I know I pushed a little hard to get through that tonight. Sorry for speeding up the talking, but uh, we'll slow down next week. Love y'all. Have a good night.